0: What's really over the rain Are drag queens capable of mind control? How many times has Beyoncé been clunked? Can I get an amen? For too long, the heteronormative straight stream media has been hiding the truth, the sheer queer truth. But now she's coming out, and she wants the world to know. It's time to unveil the shocking answers to all of your burning questions. The truth is here, the truth is queer, so get used to it. We are Mr. Sister, and this is Queer Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Queer My name is Jordan Barbour. My pronouns are he, him, his, Jamiroquai.
1: And I'm Caitlin Shore. My pronouns are she, her, hers, Volkswagen.
0: And thank you so much for joining us. Caitlin Shore, you are being demure. You are a doctor. One Dr. Caitlin Shore is with us. I don't have a title, just sort of broke actors is what they say before they say my name. So welcome to the show, everyone. So Caitlin, I'm going to ask you, what's your check-in this week?
1: So (laughs) this was a week, I'll say that. Uh, I, I don't know when this will be released exactly but um, uh, this would have been for us one week since the uh, insurrection at our mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at our capital um, coo. Coo, coo, coo. so that was goofy um, <laughs> and kind of just added like another layer onto the like surrealist dystopian film that we are uh, living in um, and <laughs> and and part of that like uh genre that we're all mutually exploring is yeah. that like uh you know it is absurd and also like normal at the same time like you like uh, and it's something that like i think has made me just really think about history differently like when you look back on like mm-hmm. huge things in history whether it's like the civil war or like other plagues or things like that mm-hmm. You think that like that's all they were doing all the time, or like everyone's sad or everyone's like um being like suffering violence or committing violence, but like also they're just like having to like being like I should exercise <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: and it's also like you know whenever you think like in broad terms of history you always think like oh everyone was involved in this or that and it's like no it was like 12 people that were involved in that major event everyone else was just like chilling at home wondering what the hell is going
1: on yeah in the yeah.
0: Country. yeah
1: yeah um and like i feel like it also just helps to recast like um people that, like like bad figures in history and things like that is like assholes and like dicks, Mm -hmm. not like necessarily just villains, which they are, but like, um, people are dicks and idiots and like, uh, and things like that. So, um, and I think good, like really good documentaries and really good films, historical films are able to do that too. I think that's when like those types of things are most successful. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, anyway, so my week was, you know, living through history, I guess. And um, <laughs> yeah. as you know, I think I told you this is probably the biggest like um, day-to-day life update for me that I have been experimenting with, like doing online dance classes as my yes workout system. Yes. So I I'm, I started a new like an actual like app like program called Steezy, which is like e- Steezy Steezy. <laughs> They're not sponsoring us yet. Not yet. Um, hey, it's and it's Daisy. like, it's like a whole ecosystem of like le- learning to dance and then like some like cardio classes. Mm. And it just is like such a good reminder of how bad I am at picking up <laughs> choreography. I'm so <laughs> bad. I I cannot do it. And also how there are so many things that I can do with the right side of my body and not my left. Like my left is really? Yeah. Like certain like moves. I can like co- get the coordination with my right and not my left Sorry. Okay. Um, and that's like the biggest personal um change for me. So um, check in. How how have you been, buddy?
0: Oh girl. Um, you know, kind of same boat. Not kind of same boat. I mean, we're all in the same sinking ship. But uh, I- I've had a weird week where I feel like I'm kind of losing my grip on reality. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where I mean, I, I while the whole thing was playing out last week, I was concurrently going through a thing where a friend of mine, I I'm it's possible that this is a former friend now, but he attended the rally. Uh, and this is my, I won't go into too much detail, but this is a former subletter of mine. He and I remained close friendship. He he's an actor and he and I uh, just kind of stayed friends over the years. I, he was in school acting school while I was like acting, which is why he was my subletter. And it was for years that he was my subletter. So we kind of always had, I won't say like a mentor-protege relationship, but we kind of always had like, I was like a little bit older. I'm out there working. He's an actor in school. He's a little bit younger. So we had a little bit of like an older brother, younger brother vibe, um, but not quite. And uh, he attended it. And then he put up this video that I cannot even begin to, Get into for a check in, but basically, he was talking about how you know he sort of just showed up at the rally, he was just sort of walking by and happened to go, which I'm like, I call bullshit. But then, uh, then he was like, You know, we sort of just went to stand in solidarity with Trump and the constitution. And I was like, No, no, you, you can't just say that like matter of factly, like those two things are diametrically opposed. So, you can't, I feel like this is the great lie of the Trump years is that like. Trump is in any way aligned with American values or the constitution or democracy. And don't get me wrong. I'm a huge critic of American values. I think they're bullshit, but um, yeah, I mean the notion that you're, that attending the Trump rally is some sort of valorous statement of your American pride is complete nonsense. But um, basically he was saying in his video, it was like 10 minutes long. He was talking about how much there were, how much camaraderie there was and how great everyone was to each other and how he saw like, Blacks for Trumps and gays for Trump and Koreans for Trump and Jews for Trump. And I'm like, dude, if you can enumerate them, there weren't that many of them there. Like, if you can point to the group and be like, oh, those are the blacks for Trump. Like that. That's not a good sign.
1: Also, I feel like most of those signs probably need to go from the plural to the singular so that it was like black for Trump. (laughs) (laughs) The gay for Trump. (laughs) I don't think they were like because I saw I mean we've all seen the footage it wasn't like oh there's all those black people over there it's like the guy the one guy exactly
0: exactly um and it's just absurd and and, uh he was you know with his example of the the Jews for Trump hey I've got light now uh the Jews for Trump he was he's saying like you know Somebody was out there with like a giant star of David and another guy had this. And the no- and I was just like, OK, when are you going to talk about the swastikas that we all saw? When are you going to talk about the Nazi insignia and the Confederate flag? But none of that. And came- the guy had
1: a star of David because he was telling another guy to put it on his sleeve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. I can't. I can't. Um, anyway, uh, by the end of the video, he was basically saying like how... He's pretty sure that the people who were rioting were agitators and were Antifa, which is this lovely catch-all that people on the right like to say that doesn't mean anything. Um, So, yeah, I mean, so that was sort of happening concurrently. So I was watching the world, I was watching the country, I should say, at least, disintegrate, and then I was having this uh, uh, concurrent thing happening, and obviously they were were linked, but this concurrent thing happening where I was, like, losing a friend, kind of. And I was trying to engage him, and I was trying not to do the thing that a lot of people do, which is just like him. I mean, because basically all the comments in the video were like, okay, so you're a Nazi, basically, and you're awful and all this shit. And I really, really was trying to be really diplomatic with what I was saying, and he just wasn't hearing it, I don't think. Um, But eventually, like, I don't know the details of of it, but like, eventually, like, all this shit happened on his page and I go to his profile the next day and it's gone and mm-hmm. all of his stuff is gone like all of his social media profiles are gone and without getting too much into it I'm pretty sure that like you know there might be uh, ramifications due uh, with acting work you know mm-hmm. as a result of this and with future employment and I feel like I'm literally watching someone get radicalized in real time you know yeah. because like all the people on the right side of history are criticizing him rightfully. Right. And then all the people on the wrong side are saying, yeah, we're with you, brother. We stand with you. And so like, obviously if you're already kind of on the fence or not even on the fence, if you're already kind of like leaning toward Trump and the people that are supporting you are all like proud boys and shit, you're going to lean into the proud boys. Yeah. Right. So I thought
1: about that a lot for whatever reason with that, like, uh, Karen and the birdwatcher saga from the summer, whenever it was uh-huh. in Central oh my Park. God,
0: was that this summer?
1: I don't know. It was a while ago.
0: That was like the same
1: maybe the day spring?
0: or week as like George Floyd, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was right yeah. around then. Oh my um, god! But like, I remember thinking about like that that woman and mm-hmm. like who's like obviously she sucks
0: mm-hmm. and she's
1: like she deserves most if not all of like the backlash that she's received Mm -hmm. but she may not have I'm just making this up because she lives in New York she probably didn't think of herself she probably didn't fully espouse like a Trump identity a Trumpy identity but now she's been you know blacklisted from anything in Mm -hmm. her old life Mm -hmm. and I kept thinking like does she just like Double down and be like, I guess this is my life now,
0: especially because right now we're all living through social media. Right. Like that's our only real connection to people, at least people who are living in cities. Um, And so if your only real connection with people is how you're engaging with them online and all these people that were supposedly your friends or if not your friends, your colleagues or whatever are like turning on you. And then the only people that are like with you are these fucking proud boy QAnon motherfuckers. Then, yeah, I mean, I'm worried that he's going to sink deeper into the dark side. And there's just nothing I can do, really, because I'm also too old to fight. I'm too old to teach. I don't feel like doing it anymore. I spent as a fucking black gay person, I spent all my life, especially my 20s when I really gave a shit, but like trying to educate people and trying to make them better. And like now I'm like, I just can't fucking do this. I can't do this. And I do think, you know, as people in our 30s, part of that grip of reality thing that's happening is, you know, we're, I won't say that we're like in the middle of our lives, but like right now is sort of like a a fruitful time in our lives. It's like a prime time, but it's not quite our 20s anymore. And so I feel like we have this sort of idea of normalcy and we are watching the whole world turn upside down. And so that's why, I mean, I feel like if I were like 15, this would obviously be traumatic as well, but like. You have no concept of the world yet, really. Right. You know, in my thirties, I I thought I knew how the world worked, and now all this shit ha- is happening. I have to listen to we have to engage in these dumb fucking arguments with people about whether or not this election was stolen, and it's like there's I don't even need to get into it right now. But as far as a check-in goes, um. You know, uh, any listeners that followed us in our beta version, which was uh, on stereo, which was literally pretty much only my sister and my boyfriend, uh, will know that both my parents had COVID for the past four weeks. They're both recovering. um, They're doing okay. And other than that, the world is just a big steaming pile of shit. So
1: That's right. Check in. Check in. Thank you. Um,
0: Well, so one thing that Caitlin and I... Adore. And one thing that you listeners will realize in the coming weeks and years or however long this thing lasts, maybe it's just this week. Uh, Caitlin and I are a little obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race mm-hmm. and RuPaul in general. Mm-hmm. And we were originally debating. We weren't debating. We originally conceived of this podcast as a RuPaul's Drag Race Recap show, but not even like new episodes. We were just gonna literally go through every episode from the past and just recap them and talk about our feelings, which uh, we still might. I'm not, I mean, I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I don't know what that means. I I just think
1: think with the the lens of history cast upon it, maybe new insights would be revealed (laughs) on those earlier seasons.
0: Exactly. I feel, girl, you know, especially in light of what the world's going through right now, I'm like, hmm, what does pork chop getting cut first? have to do with QAnon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like... I feel like we should also express or explain why our name is Q- Anon. Sure. I don't really know why we're called Anon. I just wanted to think of a clever name that had something to do with the current moment. And I really fucking can't stand... I don't know much about QAnon. I gotta be completely honest. The little I know seems ludicrous to me and absurd. And I think my entire point with this is just to kind of poke holes in the shit that a lot of stupid people take seriously. Uh, and I'm a queer person. Caitlin's a queer person. Yep.
1: And And I think, I think if I had to retroactively justify the name, you could say like, uh, kind of a hallmark of QAnon and similar conspiratorially thinking groups is that they take like disconnected things and they just like put them together in ways that like make sense to them and are like in service of like whatever they already believe. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that we similarly kind of make connections among things that don't necessarily relate to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the key difference is that we are doing it to enjoy ourselves and have a funny conversation, yes. not to, you know, form a belief system and, uh, you know, ruin democracy. We're so doing it's it with a, a group.
0: We're doing it with a great deal of irony and just, yeah. um, but like, I do like, the, I do like the idea of us getting so riled up in this podcast that we like storm a gay bar and it's just the two of us. <laughs> um, I don't know why we would storm it, but you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, so you will, you will see many of the ways that Queer Anon uh, is related to our current system and our, our current political climate and what's going on, especially with our conspiracies that we'll get to at the end. Um, But for right now, one of the things we like to do on this show is review things happening in pop culture. And since Caitlin and I are such stands of RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race, we figured the best way to do our inaugural episode would be to talk about the first two episodes of the 13th season of RuPaul's Drag Race. So I'm going to throw it off to you, Caitlin. What are your initial thoughts of these queens? What are your initial thoughts of the show? How do you think they're handling the uh, coronavirus? And Mm. how do you think it fits with the rest of the series? How does the season fit?
1: Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, we first discussed, you know, we would obviously do a recap. Um, I wasn't expecting to, like, really go so deep on the structure of (laughs) the the. The series, but that's uh, effectively the most significant thing mm-hmm. right now. Because mm-hmm. um, for for anyone who doesn't know, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, like any kind of competition reality show, historically opens up. You kind of have like a little intro to everyone, and then it's like the first competition. The first person gets cut. You know, mm-hmm. whoever loses. Uh, but this structure was very different. Very. Um, basically as fast as I can say it, the first episode was like a series of head to heads, like one-on-one Queens doing lip syncing. So it was a series of a bunch of lip syncs, never mm-hmm. had that many lip syncs in one episode. Is that
0: true? Cause they, they did, there was an all-stars season where they had like an all lip sync episode, but it, I don't think uh, it was, do you remember that? Where Latrice Royale uh, went up against Monique Hart? Oh! Epic,
1: epic. For the yes, ages. Yes, I forgot For about ages. that. That I was totally a great episode. about that.
0: Um... So I don't I don't know that there's no precedent for right. this. There's certainly no precedent on RuPaul's Drag Race. There's right. uh, there's precedent well, that's on the thing. All Stars.
1: On All Stars, the it's kind of a to to the extent that it's a joke. Like on All Stars, it's always they're always messing with the format to see like how they can like surprise you and like make the queens mad. But the regular <laughs> show is pretty like steady. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. there's small tweaks over time, but like this has been. I mean, we're two episodes in, and spoiler alert, no one's gone home.
0: No one's gone home. And one of the reasons why we waited until this week to do it, because we were supposed to do it last week, but then the world was crumbling. We were supposed to start our episode last week, or start our podcast last week, but the world was crumbling. Um, And so we decided to wait till this week, and we figured, okay, well, nobody was eliminated in the first episode anyway, so we'll just wait till episode two when someone's been eliminated. And there is still been no one eliminated from the no. first two episodes no and there was a whole speech about how like no one's a loser on RuPaul's Drag Race yeah and, and I was like was... Is,
1: it, is it gonna be that nobody gets eliminated
0: <laughs> right it's so weird what so a little bit about that before we get back into the recap of episode one I do think that that is important though what what Ru said this past week about how you know people who are eliminated first often go on to become legends in the drag industry. He referenced pork, pork chop. He referenced Shangela. He referenced Vanji. all people who are essentially, if you are aware of RuPaul's drag race, people that are household names. Uh, and he started this episode. Well, he started the second episode by essentially saying that no one is a loser on RuPaul's drag race. Even if you are one of the first people eliminated, you are still a legend. And,
1: It was it kind of felt like
0: because I know Rue has gotten criticism in the past for not uh, engaging with the vitriol that can often be expressed toward the queens on social media. I felt like this was an attempt on Rue's part to get ahead of that and kind of get ahead of the shade and get ahead of the shit that people are going to talk about whoever's first eliminated. And so that's literally what he said. And then there is this very interesting structural thing happening with the show where you can't really throw shade on any eliminated queen yet because no one's been eliminated. So let's, let's, let's go through the chronology of the first two episodes and, and go bit by bit. What did you think of the face-offs from episode one?
1: So I, you know, I liked it. I the, The thing that I actually liked the most about it was that because First, for, with the exception of, like, one, like, tr- like, thruple group where it was three queens that met each other. It was all, mm-hmm. like, like, duos. Mm-hmm. And that allowed you to actually meet the queens. Like, mm-hmm. usually it takes me until halfway through the season, A, to know anyone's name, and B, to, like, get a sense of anyone's personalities. Mm-hmm. And, like, given, it's not like we know know them, but, like, I've already, like, heard some, like... I can just dis- I can tell the difference between all of them. And yeah. I like yeah. and like and like I have a sense of how they would lip sync. I don't have to wait till someone's about to go home to see them lip sync. And anybody who has heard me talk about drag race at any length um knows that I have been critical of the fact that you don't see them lip sync until they're about to go home mm-hmm. when not that that's all that drag is about, but in the real world, that's mm-hmm. what drag queens do yes so yes. the only way it could be better is if they were able to like do whatever they wanted instead of like lip sync to the song that rue prepared mm-hmm. but i know it, you know rights it's a problem and things like that but mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's a good way to intro them it did get a little bit redundant i think seeing yeah. like song after song yeah um it felt like everyone was paired like fairly evenly like they were all pretty close calls mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i don't know if that was intentional um we can return to this, but I want to say it before you do, because I know you're going to say it. Go ahead. I'm fucking obsessed with Simone. <laughs> I, I'm i all in on her. I'm
0: all in. I'm all in on Simone. And we will get to her in a second. I do want to talk about uh, what you were saying as far as the essence of uh, lip syncing. And yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you because it hadn't dawned on me. While I was watching... So everyone who's watching, you should know that Caitlin has been a stan of RuPaul's Drag Race literally since episode one. Uh, I am very late to the game. I did not... I actively did not like the show. And we can get into that later. But uh, I actively avoided it for about 11 years. And then a couple years ago, I just started watching a season of All-Stars with my then roommate. And I got obsessed. And it was the season with Latrice. I think it was that season, the season with Latrice and uh, Monique and Monet. And I got obsessed. And so then I just sort of did that thing where I went back and I had actually seen the first season. That's not true. I had seen the first season and I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't enough for me to go back. Um, But now I've just done a deep dive and, you know, the the pandemic helped a great deal. And so I've just gone back and rewatched whole seasons or I've watched whole seasons and rewatched some seasons. I've now seen the Bianca season twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, good season to watch. But you know, one of the seminal things, being a kid and being a gay kid in New York, you go to see these drag shows, and one of the seminal things you're going to see, one of the most important things you're going to see, is a, is a queen lip sync. And I remember watching Sasha Velour and Shea Coulee's season, and I think Sasha Velour had said it. But I didn't realize until she said it that Sasha, I, we hadn't seen Sasha Valor lip sync until the finale because yeah. she'd never been in the bottom.
1: Bianca never lip synced.
0: Is that true?
1: I'm pretty sure that's true.
0: Only for the music video. That's the only thing she had to lip sync for. She, in that finale, they didn't lip sync that year, did they? Oh, that's so weird. So Bianca never had to lip sync on. That's weird. She's not a lip
1: syncing queen either. So it's not like she can't do it, but that's like not. She's one of the few queens where like that's not what her show is about.
0: That's not her thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I think it was really smart of Rue to introduce the queens. You know, we had the whole like pre-pilot meet the queens stuff. But, you know, we're getting to know the queens through their lip sync. And I thought that was really great. Um, Because it made me realize that some Queens I thought who I thought were probably really strong or maybe not that strong and vice versa. Um, and I also think you get to see a Queens person. It's the only, you know, drag is really the only industry that has like lip syncing as like a firm uh, uh, cornerstone of like what drag is and acknowledging that was really powerful. And like, you get to see what these Queens are made of. And like, if you can't lip sync girl There's a real problem. Yeah. And getting that out of the way early was really clever. Now, I'm not a huge fan of this whole, like, let's kind of eliminate half of them and then not eliminate them. And I don't know what's going on with the structure of everything. And at first I was really excited by it. But now it's becoming tedious.
1: It's too much. And like. So the next thing that happened, I'll just say, is they basically all the losers from all the lip syncs were in one group. The winners were all in another group. And the winners were by themselves kind of like proceeding on with the show. Mm -hmm. And like, we don't really know where the losers are, except for the losers are told to immediately vote off someone. Mm -hmm. And so they vote off Elliot with two Ts. Mm -hmm. And of course, instead of actually being voted off, Elliot goes and joins the winner. I say, of course, because if you are a watcher of Survivor, which I know you're not, Jordan, that is a (laughs) classic Survivor move. to make them To make them, like, as soon as they all meet, make them immediately vote someone off, and they're like, we all just met. And then that person is, like, on the other team. And then they kind of, like, and then it's, like, this weird dynamic, which you saw here, where it's, like, is there allegiance now with the new team? But the new team's, like, are you a mole? And all this this stuff. Um, but like I'm I'm no great fan of Elliot yet, but like what a shitty position to be in right away. Shitty.
0: But okay, let's go back to the lip syncs in episode one and talk about what we thought.
1: Okay, this is now a couple weeks ago now, but we'll try to do it. Okay, so first up we have Candy Muse versus Joey J.
0: Which Joey J lost. Correct. So first off, do you agree with the verdict?
1: Um, like I said, I think they were all close, but I guess so. Um I actually thought just from like the vibe, I thought Candy was gonna do more. Yeah. Just from her vibe. I heard. In that. in episode two, she did show that she had capacity to do a little bit more, but I was kinda like,
0: hmm. Yeah.
1: Like I expect I expect her to be like a little like more like rough and tumble on yeah. the stage.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um and then I wrote after after the uh, this was me watching the first round I wrote. They're not really going home, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like obviously.
0: Anyway, um, so what did you yeah, think? I thought Candy's look was great. Mm-hmm. I loved the denim on denim on denim, the boombox that was made out of denim. I
1: like that. I love that.
0: I, I feel yeah. like the boombox is kind of what pushed her over the yeah. edge for me. And she brought a little. She brought some. She brought a sense of humor to it. You know, she when the song started, she hit the boombox. When the song ended, she hit the boombox, and she had a little bit of humor. To be completely honest, I was a little underwhelmed by both of them, by both of their lip syncs, but I did enjoy Candy Moore. I just kind of thought Joey J was a little basic, to be completely honest. I thought the look was a little basic. I'm
1: like kind of stretching to like remember anything about Joey J.
0: She had the chicken feathers, the red chicken feather. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that kept right. falling all over the goddamn stage.
1: Right-er.
0: So, um, yeah, I mean, and she's the queen who in her Meet the Queen special was like, "I never wear wigs. Everything I have is my hair and blah blah blah." And then the bitch was wearing a wig in the first episode. So, I'm like, "Okay. All right, whatever." So, yeah, I'm kind of okay with that one. Next one.
1: Lala Ree versus Denali.
0: Okay. Lala Ree was wearing, like, that white sparkly jacket and then no pants and then white boots.
1: Right. She
0: had, like, skin-tight leggings on, a flat yes. wig, a flat Yes, wig. I thought
1: she was going to get red, red, red for
0: that So did I. And then Denali had the sort of, like, I think it was just, like, one big braid, right? And then yes. she came in on ice the skates.
1: ice skates, yeah.
0: Which I, I loved Denali's look. I loved Denali's energy. I liked Lala Ri's energy. I just thought the look was so bad. Yeah. and I The thought look was hate.
1: very bad. The now hair I was remember. So,
0: the hair was so bad. The hair was so bad. And Denali ended up losing that lip sync. I think fairly slash unfairly. I mean, the bitch entered on ice skates and then had to do her lip sync on ice right. skates. right. And considering that she did like a cartwheel and did yeah, yeah. was able to do anything, like continue dancing, I was like, I feel like she just for technical difficulty alone, not <laughs> at the risk of using well, like is... figure skating terminology, I just think that she killed
1: it. Okay, so not to not to sound like uh too conspiracy minded, though this is anon but I'm wondering if Rue intentionally paired them so that they were basically equal in terms of talent and then she could just make the groups what she wanted them to be because like, well, pretty much all of them to a T mm-hmm. I, I didn't disagree with the decision, mm-hmm. but you could have argued the other side and I wouldn't have disagreed with that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they were all very close.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It was a fairly good pairing uh, on Rue's part. So, you know, I, I don't agree with the Lala Ree Denali face off because I actually think again I just think Denali gave her had just a much harder technical challenge and if she had fucked it up and like didn't do well then I'd be like yeah absolutely give it to Lala Rhee. but I thought she was great and she had a much harder hurdle with those ice skates so and I thought yeah. her look was better so
1: yep okay so the next one was Simone and Tamisha Amon
0: which Simone won this was Janet Jackson's pleasure principle your thoughts
1: as I've already established Simone's energy is amazing yeah. like you she just has that thing where like the movement of her face mm-hmm. is just like so is telling me so much mm-hmm. and is just like selling this song I don't even know like what she's doing or not doing but mm-hmm. I get so much of her personality just from just from like her face absolutely. and little moves absolutely so
0: she was wearing she, the dress of all Polaroids. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: And I wonder if she's she's one of these queens that goes very much for this like model skinny girl, mm-hmm. like no padding kind of look, which mm-hmm. is like a look. I don't mm-hmm. know if she'll get read for it or not, but but Tamisha was not bad. Like she had she had like the old school moves to couple right. with the Janet in a way that I like really appreciated. Yes. And like her being like a slightly older queen, like at, kind of like enhanced that, effect for me yes and also has like such a story that like you're clearly rooting for her right um but uh yeah what do you think
0: i mean i think that's the tricky thing about this about the way they they did it because like both of those queens in my opinion beat candy muse and joey J. so it's weird that candy muse ended up as one of the quote-unquote winners and tamisha amon ended up as one of the losers because she lost to simone and again, Simone did the smart thing. Girls, it's season 13 now. If you're coming on RuPaul's Drag Race, you got to be able to make Ru laugh at least once. And especially if you can do it in a lip sync, it's going to help you. You know, you get a lot of these look queens who can't lip sync and can't dance. And I'm just like, this isn't going to go well for you, girl. But my thing with Tamisha Iman, I love that she brought like that. She's been in the game for so long. She brought that gravitas to the show. I was not impressed with her lip sync because it was a little Janet light. And my Mm -hmm. whole thing is like, if you're going to do Janet, girl, then do Janet. You know, that shoulder thing that you do that Janet does where one shoulder goes up and the other goes down. It's dope. And that's uh, Tamisha Iman did a lot of that. And maybe it's that, you know, she talked about her age and that she was tired or whatever. Maybe it's that she can't she just can't do that shit. But like. I'm like, girl, then you need to bring something else. You need to bring some added energy because what Simone lacked in, like,ography and stunts and tricks, she made up so much for with personality. It just goes to show, I mean, especially when you look at the lip sync that just happened in season two ep- or episode two, you do not need the stunts to have a killer lip sync. You don't I need agree. the stunts. And I just thought Simone killed it. I loved her dress. I loved her look. I didn't love the wig, but I, you know, it was fine.
1: No, her 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 like face and hair was very, eh.
0: Yeah, it was a little like, basic. Fun, like, eh. yeah, yeah. But
1: damn, I love her. I love her energy. So next we have Gotmic versus Utica.
0: Ooh, this for my money was the worst lip sync by far. This lip sync, Gotmic won. Utica lost. As far as I was concerned watching it, I thought they both lost. And that's, I I am such a fan of Gotnik already. I don't really know her. I guess we should talk about the difficulty of pronouns with someone like Gottmik as well. Gotnik was born in the body of a girl <laughs> and transitioned to, when she realized that she was a man, uh, transitioned to becoming a man and is a trans man doing drag. Uh, which is just a whole lot of layers that are confusing. And I love it. I think it's so, great.
1: I think that we'll return to this topic in uh, many times and episodes times. to come. Mm-hmm. But something that I'm obsessed with is mm-hmm. the fact that it like opens up these conversations and like gets us to ask more questions. Absolutely. And like and and what I do already appreciate about Gottmik is like the first thing that like we thought about when she was cast was like oh this is interesting in terms of like pronouns because like with drag most drag queens they are cis men Mm -hmm. but like we just use female pronouns when we're talking about them in the context of drag race Mm because it's like let the best woman win Mm -hmm. and like Gottmik basically said the same thing in mm-hmm. in episode two. Yeah. Like she was like, you call everyone else here, girls. And it's just uh, weird
0: because that sense of irony whenever I'm talking about a drag queen and I say she like there's always just an element of like mm-hmm. I'm I'm aware of what I'm saying a little bit. And I, I enjoy that. I'm talking about a cis man who dresses in drag and calling him she it's muddied somewhat when you have a trans man and you're doing your best to respect his pronouns. But this trans man is doing drag. And yeah. we always call all the queens she, her. And I love that she hit it head on. She was just like, yeah, just call me she, her. I'm I, In this world, I am a she, her. When we're out of drag, I am he, him. Just like all these other queens.
1: And then like uh, Olivia, who was the first person that me, kind of was like, hey my situation, she kept saying my gender situation, Mm -hmm. which I thought is a funny way of describing it. Like Olivia was like, Oh, what are your pronouns? Yeah. And like, this is great. Yeah, And like, it's just, it's like very 2021. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm very curious to see like what additional conversations there might be about it. I know there was like some talk in the community, like in the same way that like people can rue and Mm -hmm. others considered like trans women to in some respects be on like a performance enhancing drug in terms of like mm-hmm. if you're taking estrogen does that help you be more fish and all that thing you can make the same argument here i, I mean i don't agree with that argument but to to anyone who's making it got is not going for her fish no like, she's not going for realism so that kind of like counteracts any of mm-hmm. any argument in that mm-hmm. favor you know she's
0: a look queen who is all about character and she's not she's not giving you like what Gia Gunn was going for and Gia Gunn is a woman and that was a whole aesthetic that Gia Gunn was going for that's not Gottmick's thing Gotmix all about the exquisite precision of every look that she does and mm. it has very little to do with the fact that she was born a woman but that being said I really did not care for her lip sync I thought it was pretty weak.
1: No, but I, you know, we're correctly giving all this attention to Gatmik, but I have to say that (laughs) Utica makes me want to throw up (laughs) and flee the room. She's one of these queens that, like, makes me feel uncomfortable because, you know, and it's maybe mean. My feelings are probably mean because I can read on her face that she was bullied and Mm -hmm. had no friends Mm -hmm. and, like, But like, so did lots of these queens. All All these queens have bullied stories, right? Right. But but she, I can't, I can't stand her. I cannot. It's hard for me to look at and listen to her. She,
0: for me, is so hard only because, well, a in the Meet the Queens special, she was like, you know, I know, I know a lot of these queens aren't here to make friends, but I am, and I'm like, okay, there's a reason why they we have this running joke. It's not RuPaul's best friends race. It's RuPaul's drag race. But you know, fine. If that's your mission, if that's what you're here to do, fine. My thing with, with Utica is I feel like she was such a wild card for me before that lip sync, only because I couldn't stand her personality in the Meet the Queen stuff, but her looks were amazing. That look that she had with the yarn and the the needle stuck yeah. in her heart, and I thought that was incredible. So I was mm-hmm. so ready for like her looks. And then she came out with that first fucking look with a strawberry hat, and I was like, nope. Not for me. And the
1: explanation was like, I'm allergic to strawberries, so it, I guess it,
0: I am right. It just didn't work. And like, I was really hesitant about her and I was ready to be like, okay, what's going on here? And now I'm just like, no. After that lip sync, we're like, if you're not going to be, if you're not going to bring it with your first look, which she just didn't. I mean, the wig was a mess. Uh, it, I don't know what she was doing. She was like humping the floor and it was just a mess. It was a mess. So I thought they made the right decision.
1: I foresee crying in her future.
0: I don't know. I feel like she's immune to it. I, I don't know. She just seems like she's so weird and doesn't care. And don't get me wrong, I love weird. I'm not criticizing weird. I'm just saying like we she feels weird for weird's sake. She's of,
1: yes, yes, agree.
0: Instead of weird Aren't I
1: so weird?
0: Yeah, and kind like of thing. Gottmik's weird is the type of weird that I'm into. Like, Simone's weird is the type of weird agree, that I'm agree. into. Her agree. weird feel, Utica's weird feels just so like...
1: Katya is the kind of weird that I'm yes.
0: into. Yes. <laughs> I've got a literal picture of Katya that I'm, I'm obsessed with Katya. Obsessed.
1: Utica is like Thorgy if Thorgy didn't have that one other friend growing up. <laughs> Instead, it was just the dolls.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so are we on to our final lip sync?
1: Um, there's Rosé versus Olivia Lux. Yes. So uh, what are your thoughts? So I'll state the obvious. Olivia is
0: beautiful. Gorgeous.
1: I mean, beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. As a as a man and a woman.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I wrote down, there's something creepy about Rosé. <laughs> Out of drag, he looks like cigarettes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes,
0: I do. I don't know why I know. There's something about the redness of the face, and I'm not, you know, we're not criticizing that because we all got our skin shit. There's something about the redness of the face with the tousled hair on top that kind of looks like the fire of a cigarette with the ash on the top. It
1: just looks like cigarettes. So, Rosé is someone who I'm also, I'm kind of surprised, I don't know, from my days in the New York scene Mm -hmm. because I think that, She's been around a while and seems to run in, like, the right circles. Yeah, but, but I feel
0: like she runs in, like, the Jan circle.
1: Which I also didn't know.
0: Right. So I feel like that might be why you're disconnected from it. Maybe, like,
1: the, the the few Chelsea girls that don't make it to Hell's Kitchen. Yes, yeah, I
0: guess. I, guess. <laughs> I put them in that category of, like, queens that are, like, hitting all the... They're checking off all the boxes, but I just don't find them particularly interesting. And I agree. I, but go on, go on
1: no no I mean that's pretty much all I had to say I like I don't think Rosé is untalented Agreed. I'm just there's nothing that like really gets me super excited I thought like her hair looked kind of cheap uh... Uh,
0: my feelings with Rosé were exactly my feelings with Jan which is like you're talented yeah. and I'm not at all interested in anything I, I just think you're kind of basic I think you're kind of boring
1: um, you could be in the chorus.
0: You can st- You could be in the chorus. And that's no diss to Jan. I think they're both talented. I just, am pers- I'm, I'm not particularly interested in either of them. Right.
1: Um, well, it's like you're not going to win. They're, you know right off the bat they're not going to win. They could get out at any time from right. beginning. They could make it very far. Mm-hmm. But, like, they don't have that, like, spark. They don't have that
0: thing. Yeah. They don't have that yeah. thing. So the controversy is that apparently Rosé's been doing this for many years. Like you, I did not know who Rosé was. And she was going up against a very new queen. Olivia Lux has only been doing it for about a year and a half.
1: From and the same kind of scene.
0: From the same scene. And so Olivia Lux knew Rosé, was a big fan of Rosé. I don't think Rosé knew who Olivia Lux was, right? She didn't know who she... Getting there, I don't I don't remember. But I don't think Rosé knew who she was. So I kind of feel like the, the feeling going in was that, like, Rosé was going to stop her. Right. And the judges ended up choosing Olivia Lux to win the lip sync. What do you think of that decision?
1: I I mean, again, like, I thought it was close. I didn't disagree. Mm. I did find Olivia, like, immediately more likable, but that might just be, like, her pretty privilege. Right. Then, like, I'm just like, I like her. She's a beautiful smile. But I also felt kind of, like, validated because out of all of the, like, pork-chopped queens, I feel like Rosé was the saltiest and kind of, like... Mm. Which, honestly, I probably would be, too. I'd probably be the one being like, fuck this shit. I... So, I... uh,
0: I think on a technical level, I actually do think Rosé did a better job. I think Mm -hmm. the dancing, the looks, what she was doing. I get why Rue picked Olivia Lux. And it's for exactly what we're talking about right now, which is that like Olivia Lux just has this thing. She just has this, I, I guess the easy thing to call it is star quality, but she just has a quality that makes her just like... I just want to keep watching her. And Mm -hmm. it makes sense that her name is Olivia Lux because she, she beams this energy. Mm -hmm. She has this light inside of her that, that glows and you just want to keep following her. And I felt like with Rose, I was watching, I felt like I was like back in high school with the kid who always gets the lead in the musicals. And suddenly I got the lead in the musical and the kid who always gets the lead in the musicals was like, what is going on right now (laughs) (laughs) I felt like that's what I was watching with Rosé lose that lip sync but I was kind of fine with it yep I didn't love Rosé's look either I can't remember Olivia's original look I just remember not loving Rosé's I thought she was kind of hot as a guy but uh, you know again she did kind of look like a cigarette now it's the final lip sync, right?
1: Okay, so this is our aforementioned single thruple. Yes. Um. So it's Tina Burner, Elliot with two Ts, and Kamora Hall.
0: Kamora. Kamora,
1: Ka-mora.
0: Ka-mora Hall. So uh, Tina Burner wins this one. I think rightfully so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think she should have won. Uh, I thought not she... land-
1: again, not a landslide.
0: No, no. I, I thought both of the I think like she said in the next episode Kimura was a little late to really get into her lip sync but once she was in there I was kind of living for her mm-hmm. and she had a fucking bog Mackie gown on and the wig was incredible I mean she just looked great it, it makes total sense that she comes from the same drag family as Jada Essence Hall they yeah. are they are giving you like elegant thin classic beauty kind of thing yeah. and they, they yeah. just looked amazing uh, she just looked amazing I thought Elliot with two T's look was not as bad as everyone kind of gave her. Yeah, I,
1: I liked it. I mean, to be f- uh, fair, I like gravitate towards like an 80s kind of style vibe. So mm-hmm. like I'm a little bit biased, but mm-hmm. like I liked that look.
0: I do not gravito- gravitate toward like an 80s vibe. Maybe it's just because I hate the decade I was born in, but I really like when a look that's gone for is done well and executed well. And I thought she did it well. I mean, it, mm-hmm. she wasn't like redefining culture or redefining like fashion but she was like, I thought she she set out to get a look right and she she set out to make a look and it looked solid.
1: And oh. also Michelle would like
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's very
1: M- Michelle Visage in her Michelle heyday. Massage. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, I loved, loved, loved Tina Burner's look. I think it was maybe my favorite of all the queens actually mm. she between her i really liked simone's dress a lot but it was a little basic but she, yeah. what i loved about simone's dress was that it was just like all polaroids of her it was quirky it was funny it was ironic blah blah, blah. but yeah. like tina burners had so much thought it was yes. you know it was she was introducing us to her palette which is a weird palette of red orange and yellow which is yeah. I, I don't love but
1: i don't love but she's got a brand
0: that's her brand that's her thing And she slayed that pal. I mean, it was just with the the fire hose as like a Mm. belt. And she she had like a wig that was kind of made to look like a fire hat. And then she was wearing this like yellow dress that was made to look. It it was like a couture version of like a firefighter suit.
1: Tina Burner is acting like someone who's been waiting to get on the show for years. Yeah. And like not in a way that's like, ah, finally, but like. I've had time to prepare mm-hmm. and now I'm ready. Uh,
0: th- my feel and I I, I actually don't think of the little exposure I've had to her so far. I don't love her as much as I love Bob. My love for Bob runs deep. Oh, but like, Right. No. Yeah, there's there's a quality about her that I likened to Bob, which is she didn't come here to fucking play. She came here to win and she's like just bringing she's just going to do her work solidly. And I feel like the thing that is going to either make or break her is whether or not you like her thing, right? Like it's well,
1: yes, for me, and I actually can't decide yet. Is like, is she funny? Like right. in a way, like Bob is funny, fucking. And i and when yeah. I say funny, I'm including like what she does on like for Rue, and also what she's doing in like the Talking Head moments for me. Mm-hmm. And like so far, it it's it's been hit or miss. Like she right. has made me laugh. Especially since she's a comedy queen. But, like, mm-hmm. that's that's going to be it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, like, I, I feel like Alyssa Edwards is, like, the inverse of, of, of Tina Burner. And what I mean by that is, like, <laughs> Alyssa <laughs> Edwards is, like, really funny until you, like, say be funny. And then right. she's fucking not funny. And my thing with Tina Burner is that, like, it's not that I don't think she's funny. I'm just sort of, like, I don't really get comedy from you like I don't the way it feels like it's not really in your bones the way it is with like Bob or Bianca but I I can I mean she fucking won Brooklyn comedy queen of the year or whatever the hell okay. she won so I'm assuming it's there so I'm, I'm excited to see what she does with whatever comedy challenge they do okay so you know that kind of was the first episode then the like we said they segregated <laughs> the winning queens from the losing queens and I feel like the conceit was like they didn't call it the... They didn't say you were getting the chop. They said you were getting the pork chop, which still doesn't really make sense to me, but I, I, whatever. We move on to the second episode, and we realize that those limited, eliminated queens have to actually vote someone out. It ends up being Elliot with TTs, who then gets put with the winning queens, and then we end up just following the six winning queens, six or seven winning queens, for the entire second episode. I thought the... I thought the personalities were interesting. I do have to say Elliot, Tut- Elliot with two T's really grew on me. I was not with her in the beginning. I thought she was basic. I was like, I just want you to go. But like her runway looks, I really dug the second one. The girl can dance. I think she's here to play. And like, I, you know, I thought, she, I think she's just, I think she might be more solid. she's solid. Yeah. There's
1: nothing, there's nothing stand out to me about her, but I think she handled a tough situation with grace and dignity great yeah absolutely and um you know kept playing the game but i mean for better and worse there was a lot of personalities in that room and Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
1: she kind of stuck it out
0: what did you think of the so for this mini challenge they had to make a the kind of the most extravagant mini challenge i've seen maybe ever uh they had to do uh two looks a day look and a night look what did you think of the queen's looks
1: I really liked Gotmik's rainbow situation. Loved it. I thought it was like, so just like, it was amazing. For and me,
0: Gotmik just... is, is the only one who got both looks right. She yeah. had that, uh, her night look was the cut, uh, the sort of like exposed boob yeah, dress. And she awesome. had the Pacey on the nipple. and And I was just like, that is bold, dude. Like to come out here and like. Be like, I'm a trans woman and show that fucking scar and like have a pasty on your nipple. I was just like, I'm so here for her boldness and her looks. She just looked exquisite. The, the and you
1: cr- you saw such range between those two looks. Yes. You could kind of imagine like, oh, I see like I see you in both these looks. Yeah. To, and I think what you said earlier, like precision is like is abs- precision, thoughtfulness, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, execution.
0: Next was Candy Muse, I believe. Who. Failed, as far as I'm concerned. What That, yeah, like, that weird, that- like, Marie Antoinette daytime look, I was just like, what? And
1: I couldn't, I thought they were going to read her for this. I, like, couldn't tell, like, which lump was her boobs. <laughs> Do you know what I'm
0: talking
1: about? Yes. Like, it wasn't, like, her shape wasn't right. It just
0: wasn't right. It just looked yeah. weird. Lala Ri was next. I thought Lala Ri was pretty <clears throat> solid. I thought she looked okay. Her night look was a little weird. Her day look was, actually, I did not like her day. That, like, weird... I- green kind of floral thing oh yeah
1: that was the one that it just looked kind of like it yeah, looked she's like a, she's going to the grocery store it looked
0: like a woman going to, to the market yeah it yeah. was just like what are you doing then who's next tina burner who did two orange looks again
1: yeah
0: which i was not loving but uh maybe it's just because it's the palette i i like each Is of it? those colors individually it's just like it's together. Tough,
1: it's so ketchup and mustard yeah
0: yeah i mean she 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 knows how to put a look together. She, by her own admission, is not a look queen. So, you know, uh, take that into account. But, like, she knows how to put a look together. She's been in the game for a long time, and I thought she, like, did solid work. I wasn't blown away by anything. I was blown away by her runway, which we'll get to in a second. So we also have Simone. Simone had the daytime look that, oh, God, what was it? She had that, she kind of, have you ever seen the movie BAPS? No, she looked like one of the women in Babs, or both of. The, she looked like Halle Berry in Babs. She had that crazy wig that like was long but also high, so it was kind of like. Uh, uh, oh, yes. 90s. It and was she 90s. Had, yes, she had that multicolored yes, suit yes, with the yes, cape. Yes. I was living. Yes, I loved it. I was I loved living it. for that. I was She's living so for.
1: She's so good. damn great. it and I, then didn't, the other one, I didn't.
0: I no. didn't love her nighttime look.
1: I was like, it's fine. Like, it looks great on her. But then she, when she was describing it, made a reference to Zion from The Matrix. And then I loved it.
0: Oh, I wasn't even, I didn't even hear, I didn't catch that.
1: Amazing. So, but all I wrote was, oh, I love Simone. Just her walk has so much personality. Agreed.
0: Agreed. And she's only like 25. It's crazy. And
1: she's like, like, and out of drag, she looks like just such like a little boy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just like a little weird skinny boy. Yeah. It kind of looks like Rue.
1: Aw. A little bit. That's right. There's like
0: a little bit of Rue there. Olivia's, I don't even remember Olivia's looks. Oh, I remember her daytime. I remember not loving her daytime. I felt like it had no shape to it. It was just kind of, but, um, and I don't even remember her nighttime look. I don't know. I just think she's gorgeous. I don't have anything bad to say, but I feel like the fact that I can't remember her outfits means they weren't that amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: And then we have Elliot with two T's, who, again, her daytime look was solid. It was fun. And then she just killed it with her nighttime look. I just thought it was incredible. That sort of, like, grand guignol, like, old-style British Mm kind of kind of dickensian look that she was going for mm-hmm. and then that shock of red hair just kind of in the middle of it i just thought she killed it i thought she, it was amazing then we got the you know another like lip sync performance which i thought was fine it didn't really you know and then we have the runways i thought got was incredible Incredible. Incredible. You know, I was watching it with my boyfriend, Jose. I mean,
1: that's like a finale look. I mean, it's so good.
0: Yeah. I was watching it with my boyfriend, Jose, and he was just like, the way the cape moves, it looks like water. I mean, it was just, it was flawless. It was flawless.
1: I'm looking at a still of it right now, and it's like, it's, it's, it like, looks like it's CGI'd.
0: It's amazing how she, I mean, I've never seen a walk on that runway look so stunning. I mean, it's, it's. And we've some, there's been some fucking amazing things go down that runway. And it was just like, it was a showstopper. Candy Muse's runway. What was the theme for the runway? Oh, LeMay, LeMay You Stay? Yes. Mother LeMay, I Sleep With Danger, as a joke. Yes. I said. Um Then Candy Muse's LeMay look was that baby doll diaper, I was
1: not impressed. A
0: mess, a mess, a hot mess. The diaper was, why was the diaper so fucking big? And then Simone... The boxer look.
1: Oh, my gosh. Bitch. Smart and well executed. Smart,
0: funny, really well executed. I loved the little bandage she put above her eyebrow because she, she mm-hmm. the bitch had been in a fight. And then she has the two sort of like uh, French braids kind of things. That kind, mm-hmm. she, she just looked amazing. That girl's, I'm a little worried she's, I'm a little worried she's peaking early. I'm a little right? worried.
1: Because I'm like,
0: if she can, because again, she's not like a crazy good lip syncerer. But she just has so much personality. I'm worried that Rue is going to get bored with her personality. But Rue did say, you have star quality. And like, Rue doesn't say that for everybody. Yep. Olivia Lux.
1: I thought she looked good.
0: I thought she looked um, like.
1: Nothing, you know, outrageous. Nothing wildly creative. But yeah. like, well executed, put together.
0: She was giving you like Ava Perone, like old glamour. And I was, I was here for it. I wasn't gagging, but I was, I was here for it. Yeah. Um, Tina Burner's look. The tin Tina Burner's man.
1: look. I mean, that heart, that heart that moment was heart what did it for me. It
0: was what did it. I just thought, I, I, and it was so good to find, to actually introduce us to different colors. Yeah. To let us see that you don't just do that fucking palette. And I thought she slayed it. She really slayed it. La La Oh, La La was amazing too. Lalari had the big gold thing. Uh, she had oh, gold leggings, yes, a big yes, gold bow in front, yes, and then a float. She killed yes. it. It was the first look that Lalari has done that I was like, "Oh, okay, this bitch is good. She can actually." For put some it
1: reason, I thought that they weren't gonna like it. I was ready to be like, "I liked it, though," but then they did like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't no. know why. I, maybe
0: I mean, it was a lot of gold. It was a yeah. lot of gold, so I can see why maybe you thought they wouldn't like it. But I thought she just like, I thought it was just well crafted and well put together. I think that's all of them, right? The 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 two winners, which, uh, again another thing that Rue hasn't ever done on the regular season of Drag Race before, the two winners that were picked were uh, Simone and Olivia Lux. Understandably so, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could have maybe seen Gottmik in there just because Gottmik's looks were great, but Gottmik her lip syncing was a little weak in that w- yeah. lip sync challenge that they had, but. Um, it was so weird that the show ended and another queen had not been eliminated or any queen had been, no queen Anything. had been eliminated. So we're still kind of much like the state of the world right now. We're still a little bit like confused as to what RuPaul is doing on drag race. But, uh, and I am ready to storm the Capitol if someone doesn't get eliminated next week. Um, any you final a
1: peaceful transition of Queens.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Any final thoughts on the episode before we move to our deep dive?
1: Um, You know, it's really confusing, but, uh, you know, I'm rolling with the punches. Interested to see what's coming next. I'm enjoying this batch of queens.
0: Yeah. I must say I'm a little underwhelmed, generally speaking. But I do think, like, you know, the dilemma that they had, I guess it wasn't a dilemma. Maybe they had this all along. Maybe they knew they were going to do this all along they didn't have any negative things to say about any of the Queens on the runway. And I was actually like, yeah, I think
1: that was intentional. Yeah. It was clearly intentional, but it was weird. It was weird.
0: It was weird, but it was also just like, yeah, I mean, I feel like they could have dragged candy a little bit more.
1: Yes.
0: And they should have, but you know, with that one exception, I thought they were mostly solid. Um, And like, I get why they would compliment them all and not really come for them hard. Yeah. I mean, we can use this as a as a segue into our next uh, segment, which we like to call our deep dive because we're going to go into a topic and fucking pick it apart and solve it. And this week, since we are on the topic of RuPaul, I wanted to use one of RuPaul's most famous quotes, which is we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Now, I must admit. This is a quote that I didn't fully understand. And I don't know that I still completely understand. I think I get the idea behind it. But Caitlin, as a Rue completist, what would you call that? As a Rue uh, uh, historian, you uh, have been following the Queen and her words uh, forever. And so you've been living with this phrase for a bit longer than I have, for much longer than I have, actually. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on what she means by it and has that thinking changed over the years? Um, what are your thoughts?
1: Right. So, I mean, I think it's easiest to start interpreting this truth from like this this in its strictest sense as it relates to drag and the performance of gender. So that would be like understanding to say that we're all born naked and the rest is drag is to say is to recognize how much of what we think about ourselves and society is actually like constructed and norms and actually not necessary or not fundamental to who we are. Mm -hmm. So that's easy to understand in the context of gender. If you say like, you know, girls wear dresses Mm -hmm. and it's like, no, you weren't born in a dress that is not fundamental to who you are. Mm -hmm. So, so, so then you realize, Oh, that's just like a habit that like, has been constructed by society and can just as easily be deconstructed and then if you want to take that like so that's like the easiest way to understand it and so drag is it by its mere existence communicating that by saying by saying well no I'm gonna put the dress on a boy and so that is what drag is but then to say that the rest is drag is to really recognize that it doesn't just necessarily apply to gender and the performance of gender Mm -hmm. but to say that like so much of what we do are things that have been like imposed on us or taught to us or constructed for better and worse Mm -hmm. and and understanding that can be very like liberating so like you can apply it to like you know what people do is they go and work in an office right Mm -hmm. which is like a kind of drag like you weren't born doing that you don't have to do that Uh, like break through what has been prescribed for you Mm -hmm. so that's like that's how I understand it Mm -hmm. and it's like I mean it's really essentially like a a constructivist argument which which means a, a view of the world that like looks at the structures and powers that create other structures and powers that shape how we maneuver in the world mm-hmm. rather than understanding things as like static and given and permanent.
0: So is it kind of a way so uh, in the nature v nurture I am a huge uh nurture guy. Mm-hmm. I think that nurture is actually the I think like probably about 10% is nature if not less and 90% of who we are has to do with nurture and you know the values that were imposed upon us and the way we're taught to think about the world i mean we're watching a lot of stupid people i know it's it's a little bit reductive to just call them stupid but the fact that you know they think the things they do make them stupid in my opinion but you know we're watching a lot of people espouse to know the way things should be because of the way they think they should be. And so you realize that like so much of these things that we are, I mean, so much of why I keep my hair short so much of why I wear the clothes that I do and why I don't make up or or don't wear makeup or why I don't really wear jewelry. I think is part of this kind of antiquated notion of, I shouldn't even say antiquated because you know, trends change. And like those things about like not wearing makeup and not wearing jewelry, there are certainly points in history in many different cultures where men wear makeup and jewelry and it's considered masculine, quote unquote, whatever that means. So, you know, as someone who is, who really subscribes to this idea that nurture is really what guides us over nature. I really love this idea of we're all born naked and the rest is drag because it does show you that like this thing of nature is such a simple thing that we, we all have natural instincts and things like that, but you know, and I learned this in college 15 years ago or controversially, no, 20 years ago, Jesus Christ, controversially, I distinctly remember going to a, a psychology course. And one of the first things the teacher said was human beings no longer have instincts. Like we are sort of post instinctual. I don't completely agree with that sentiment. I think I know I don't completely agree with that sentiment only because I do think that to a certain extent there are, you know, there there's hormones. There's things that guide. I feel like I have three cats right now and I'm watching nature do what it does because these creatures are humping each other like crazy. And they're it just they are so clearly guided by some hormonal thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I realize that humans are a little bit different only because like last time I checked, cats didn't invent the Internet. But yeah, like I do, I do love the idea that humans are post instinctual in that so many of these things that we like to say are, yeah, but that's because how, that's how boys do it and that's how girls do it or that's how men do it and how women do it or how X group does it and Y group does it. And we like to use biology as a basis for all that shit. Like, Like this notion that like, you know, men are supposed to be promiscuous because that's how they are in nature. And I'm just like, that's one of those convenient biological arguments that you get to use because you want to be a fucking slut because you're a man and you want to be a whore. And we we like to say with women, oh, women are nurturers and they just want one partner. And no, that's that's based on that's based on a marital system that is eco- economically based that has made it so that women need to stay in this one role and they just need to stay home and make the babies. And men are the ones who go out and do whatever they want. And it's all sociological. It's all economic based. And it's bullshit. And the sooner we recognize that those like the only like potentially natural instinct that we have is potentially a need to procreate, I guess as, and I realize the irony of saying that as a gay person.
1: Well, here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. So first of all, the like kind of like school thought that you're talking about of like men spreading their seed and like things proceeding from like our like caveman instincts or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that that's formally belongs to a field called evolutionary psychology, which like, Today is like most people think it's really stupid and and bad. So like, fortunately, like that's not within like the psychology and like broader scientific community. That's not like too well respected. Evolutionary psychology is not. Is not. okay. Like it exists as a field, but it's not it's not cool right now. It's not really like there's a a lot of critiques of it. Okay, Does Um, it have
0: any basis for queer identity?
1: Does evolution have any basis Does evolutionary
0: psychology have... What What does evolutionary psychology have to say about queerness and queer people?
1: So there's a lot of ways of trying to, like, kind of explain it away or... Ex, you know, there, there are various theories about how... It, evolutionary theories about how gayness or queerness comes to be. Some is that, like... An, an easy example is, like, the gay uncle theory, Population which is that, cultural. like... You know, not necessarily population control per se, but that like you need some people that aren't procreating so that they can help take care of like gotcha. the offspring that exist. And like in the end, it's like more valuable to ensure that all of them survive than to keep producing in mass.
0: It still centers heteronormativity,
1: correct? Okay, and, and, like, and heterosexuality, and, yeah. Like, I don't think these even these theories are like that popular today Mm -hmm. um but like i which is why i think a better way of understanding it like we clearly do have instincts and hormones and like we feel things we want to like we get scared we want to eat we want to fuck whatever Mm -hmm. but like i think a better way of understanding is like yeah we are animals Mm -hmm. at one point we did like in our evolutionary history we did act like animals and we still have all the machinery that made us do all those things but it's been like Completely fucked and confused by our circumstances. That's why like so many people have like anxiety because like we're not fighting bears and whatever, but we still have these like feelings that produce angst and all these things. That's not to say that we're like wired to be anxious. It's just like we have a certain amount of like chemicals and body parts and they're going to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And the main thing that like really makes the human brain like a standout among brains is that it is so plastic and can change so much depending on context, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But that kind of confuses, like if we're talking about it within the, like uh, you're born naked and the rest is drag framework, Mm -hmm. because on the one hand, you can say like, we are not born believing in any of the bullshit, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if it gets into us, early on enough mm-hmm. that's in our brain mm-hmm. our brain is a physical structure and like it's difficult to unlearn mm-hmm. to, to get out of that it's not impossible mm-hmm. but um so so it's not like a hard uh so then hard so so
0: with that how would you define drag then because i'm sitting here being like oh well is religion drag by that rubric yeah. i guess yeah i mean i, yeah. I firmly yeah. think it is but yeah. um because what... you're
1: not you're not born a christian or whatever. Some
0: would say they are.
1: I mean, some would say that. Of course, they would say they are. Mm-hmm. But th- so here's the other thing that I think is interesting about about it: the way that we've been talking about it thus far, in terms of like behaviors and like structures are imposed on us. That sounds like. It's all like bad. It's not desirable. Right. But of course, drag is wonderful <laughs> and happy and a celebration. Right. But but the reason that those two things make sense is drag is the recognition that you can put on a mask or you can put on a garment and present one way to the world. Mm. That changes the way that you maneuver within the world. So and is so, it
0: so is it mostly centered around social performance?
1: I think I yes I think it's I think it's based on social performance And what drag does for us as a tool is to keep us from too seriously internalizing that performance, meaning like, because I have to wear, because I wear this dress or whatever, or I wear my hair long like this, that is not essential to me. Do you know Mm, what I mean? I can take that off and I'm still me. Right, right, right. And Because drag is emphasizing that act of these like superficial things that transform how we present. Okay. But that's not necessarily us.
0: So everything. So the idea behind this is, I mean, everything is drag. I mean, because you're saying we're all born naked and the rest is drag. So see, the idea behind drag is it is a way of constructing oneself to present oneself in the world and to the world, right? Is is that sort of what the kernel of the argument is? So when you're by yourself and you're having your own personal thoughts or whatever does drag exist in that concept in that context if it is mostly about a social performance or is it if it's mostly about the way your visage and your personage is consumed what does drag mean on an individual level or in an individual sense
1: I love that question because i think you can consume yourself sounds sturdy I know what you're saying but like, you, I mean, again, for better or worse, I can look at myself and get really sad because of the way that like my hair is looking or whatever. I mean, that wouldn't make me that sad. But like, <laughs> you know, we've all been in situations where like w- the way that we look mm. or what we're wearing mm. makes us feel a way about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, some of the most satisfying drag can be like, I can put on this outfit for myself Mm -hmm. and dance around Mm -hmm. and you internalize that in a good way that makes you feel something that I mean that's like the whole thing with fashion which is something I don't know shit about that like always confuses me on the one hand I hate fashion it's all about like skinny models and superficiality and like all that stuff but then like when you do the thing of like you put on an Outfit and it makes you feel powerful, like that's cool, yeah, that's really cool. But then I'm like, the only reason it makes me pe- feel powerful is because I've consumed media that tells me that powerful people look this yeah, way,
0: absolutely. So it's
1: like very confusing. I mean, it's
0: that thing, you know, whenever they do like a makeover on Drag Race, the person that gets the makeover inevitably says something akin to, like, oh my god, I feel like a superhero, yeah, always. You're always. sort of like, oh, and I, I, I'm, I never doubt it. I have personally. Never done like full drag. I've done like theater drag. Maybe have I? Yeah, I've done. I've done like theater drag. I've played. I've played women in plays before. It's either usually a joke, or it's you know I'm doing some weird avant-garde theater piece where like I'm not wearing a wig. You're just supposed to believe that I'm a woman. I, I want to go back a little bit to this um, good drag v bad drag kind of uh, thought, and I'm thinking in terms of my own coming out. And I'm thinking in terms of, like, you know, I would say prior to coming out, I was wearing the drag of a straight person. (laughs) And the reason why I laugh is just because, like, it's – anyone who knows me, it's not that I'm – anyone who knows me knows that, like, I am not apologetic at all for who I am, how I behave, how I act, what I do, blah, blah, blah. I spent so much time editing myself. And, like, I'm doing it right now. I'm, like – flipping my wrists in a very fey way in a way that like when I was in middle school, I got called Georgina whenever I did that. And I learned, I taught myself to no longer do those things so that I wouldn't get picked on so that I would lose my, hide my individuality, hide the things that I naturally just, I won't even say naturally again, that's part of the conversation, but hide the things that I feel comfortable as a form of expressing myself. And a lot of that was learned from Watching TV and watching movies where I saw like fucking powerful women and I identified with the powerful women. I identified with a certain type of person and I saw that as power. And so when I chose when I came out when I was 17, I feel like what that did is it just kind of like opened up the world in a way that allowed me to express myself a little bit more fully. Now, with that said, I'm still expressing myself within the constraints and the confines of a 2020, 2021 heteronormative society, right? So I right. I still wear shirts and pants. We are kind of in this era where, like, you know, non-binary is, is, is becoming much more of a, a thing. Gender expression, gender, gender fuckery is, like much more a thing right now and so there's no, I won't say there's no weirdness but there's a lot less weirdness with like someone who we would typically associate or call a boy wearing a dress and so I'm curious what if if we're all born naked and the rest is drag, is it overly reductive to give to call certain things like good drag and certain things bad drag or is it just all drag and the idea of like giving it a value giving it a quality like good or bad is actually kind of counterintuitive to what drag is in the first place
1: yeah so i would say i probably wouldn't think about this more carefully but my instinct is to say that it's not the drag or the you know any particular clothing or any other kind of performance that's good or bad i think it's really in your attitude towards Mm. it the service that drag as an art form is doing is to help you recognize that ideally this is a choice and this is a performance and it doesn't define you for for better or worse have fun indulge in knowing that this is all kind of bullshit Mm -hmm. it's silly Mm -hmm. and then like have fun and like I I relate to that immensely in the sense of like and I've talked about this before but if I myself if I'm told you're going here and you have to wear a dress because this is formal Mm -hmm. and girls wear dresses to weddings Mm -hmm. and like you have to wear heels then like I've felt very upset in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. Not, I wouldn't call it like gender dysphoria, but like extreme frustration with the mandates of my gender and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of frame a frame of mind. But on the flip side, I can have a moment where I'm like, I'm going to wear a dress and be silly. I'm going to put on these heels and it's going to look ferocious. And I think, and I think that honestly, in my life, drag helped me with that. You know, when I, when I have to do this. Yeah. Well, first of all, understanding you never have to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you want to wear a dress to a wedding, mm-hmm. think of yourself as a drag queen. Mm-hmm. Don't think of yourself as like the girl has to be pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I have a solo show called I Definitely Need Therapy in which I wear a suit, but then I wear high heels and I wear eyeliner and often people are like, oh, so you're in drag. And I don't fully know how to answer that because to the extent that I am doing female impersonation, no, I'm not. But to the extent that like, I am wearing something that I feel empowers me... The thing I told myself when I decided that's how I wanted to look for the show is I wanted to be like, how... How do you feel when you feel your strongest, when you feel your sexiest, when you feel your most powerful? Mm. And I was just like, I don't really want to wear a dress. It's just not really. I, I don't know that I would say I feel powerful. I love the look of a really nicely tailored suit. But there is something about fucking heels that I just love. And I I, I don't necessarily need my face fully beat, but I love eyeliner. I all, Whenever I put eyeliner on, I always just feel like the fucking boss. You know, so whenever people would ask me like, oh, you're in drag, I, I, I would always say no, but I'm feeling somewhat enlightened this by this conversation only in that I feel like I, I have the tools now to say like, well, yes, but I would question what drag is. And I would then say to the person who's asking me that, like, you're kind of in drag, too.
1: Yeah. And that, I mean, that's that's I think really the big point of that quote is to say that, like, we're all in drag. We're all in the we're all in various forms of drag.
0: So are is a costume drag?
1: So that's a great question. I think it's different only in what the the reason that you're wearing a costume. Fair.
0: Yeah. It could
1: be the same like listen, if you're on RuPaul's Drag Race, don't be showing up in a party city costume. <laughs> but in theory, you could be in something someone
0: would consider a costume and living a drag fantasy. Mm. Cool. It's such a cool topic because like there's no right answer, you know, there's no, because there's no, because I I feel like the idea behind it is that like actually just drag is everything. I mean, that's what,
1: yeah,
0: that's what Rue is trying to say. And so we just need to break down all of these constructs. We need to break down these constructs about race. We need to break down these constructs about gender, all these, about religion, because all of these things are conditioned. All of these things are learned and so, and that's not to necessarily say that it's wrong. It's just to say okay. that we should recognize that everything we're doing is a learned action, is a performance to a certain extent, and just be aware that <laughs> we don't have to kill each other because someone else's performance is different from ours uh, or something that we disagree with. Um, queer, queer. Queer, queer. So I think we solved it. All right, so let's move on to our next segment called Consquiracy. In this segment, much like QAnon, we're going to look at some everyday things happening and try to uncover what the conspiracy is beneath them. So, Caitlin, would you like to go first or second today?
1: I'll go first because it's feeling uh, a little bit weak. (laughs) I'm um, I'm
0: worried about mine, too, girl. so.
1: So this is this is helpful. This is helpful with video, mm-hmm. but I think you'll—I think our audience will understand regardless. Okay. So, I believe that uh, this chin zit—I have like a pretty big and like hurdy chin zit that's like quite prominent.
0: We should be clear that Caitlin uh, is saying chin zit because it sounds yes. like you're saying chin zit, which I don't know what that is.
1: No chin zit. Okay. Pimple.
0: Mm-hmm. A chimple, if it's you a, will.
1: A chi- it's a chimple. It's currently burrowing underground. It's functioning mostly underground. But I have reason to believe it's part of an extremist network that's planning an armed insurrection of my face. Please,
0: please explain further. Please explain further.
1: So it's just kind of poking out, (laughs) but it's like I can feel that it's networking and (laughs) Conspiring against me uh-huh. to ruin Zooms from now uh, until March, and then what am I going to do? Have, put put on a full beat inside my own home?
0: <laughs> oh my God, you're right. I didn't even think about the added like weird layer of that, which is that like you don't leave your home, but people still have to see you all the yeah. time. So yeah, I guess you got to go full beat. Yeah. You got to stop that insurrection, girl. Yep. So
1: that's, that's it. That's all I got.
0: That's a good conspiracy. That's a good one. So my conspiracy is a bit of a weird one, you know, which they all are. So the events of the last week have gotten me thinking a lot. You know, I was talking earlier about how I feel like I'm losing my grip on reality. And, you know, I feel like so much of who was storming the Capitol were just that people who have absolutely lost their grip on reality. But thinking that is quite depressing, to be completely honest, because it suggests to me that I'm dealing with people who are, you know, in need of deep deprogramming and Mm -hmm. intense psychological work that I know 90 to 95 percent of them are just not going to get. So, you know, I started thinking through it and I was like, you know, what are some of the things that we didn't get to have this year? And one of the big ones that I know a lot of white nerds like to go to is Comic-Con.
1: Oh.
0: So I think that there is a small battalion of people who thought that Comic-Con was being held inside the Capitol last
1: week. (gasps) I think you're right.
0: And they were so excited to get in. They thought the police were cosplayers. They thought the senators and uh, representatives inside were cosplayers. And they stormed that bitch because they wanted so badly to have some sense of normalcy this year. And their big thing, the big thing for white male nerds, is Comic-Con. And that's the only reason why I can understand why there were just so many fucking white straight nerds. Storming those steps and why so many of them have absolutely no idea why there's so much fervor around their racism and bigotry and anger and hate and completely unjustified storming of the Capitol. And the only thing that I can think that it was was that it was just like, you know, what's that thing called when people are it's not cosplay, but when you're uh larper that's what it is larper yeah. live action role LARPing. play i have to believe that a, a good chunk of those people thought they were just in like one of the most epic larps that's ever been staged because i cannot actually understand i cannot actually fathom how people who have you know they weren't babies they weren't held in some cubicle for like 30 years, four years, 50 years, however old many of them were, and then just got let out and were like, huh, what? Donald Trump is telling us everything that's right? And, oh, we gotta storm the Capitol! Fuck it! Because I I don't understand how logic and reason have evaded them for so long. I don't understand how one man, who is a known liar, by the way, a known fucking liar, is telling them things like, the election was stolen and it was a giant fraud, I don't understand otherwise how people like that can see how lawsuit after lawsuit has been dismissed. They are Republican judges dismissing these. The fucking Supreme Court, a third of whom Donald Trump put in there, wouldn't even dignify this shit by looking at it. It's the only way that I can justify why these people still fervently believe a lie that a liar has told them. Because... The rest of us are sitting here in our fucking respective houses looking at this shit, wondering how the world got so fucking stupid. How any of this shit is happening. How these hordes of people, and I know they weren't just white people, I understand that. But how these hordes of people are storming the Capitol to overturn a democratic election that happened months prior. And the only evidence to show that it was stolen is bullshit, nonsense, and Lies. There is no evidence to support their claims that the election was stolen. The only thing that's happening is a fucking demagogue has stood before them and told them that this is the way it is. And so therefore, they've believed it. And because I believe in humankind too much to believe that roughly 50% of this country is comprised of people who actually think that way. I'm going to tell myself for now. That actually... They were fucking storming that shit like it was the LARP of the century. And that these cosplayers, upon getting in there and realizing that they, and not realizing that they'd committed a federal crime, the reason why they were celebrating and enjoying must have been because they thought they were at Comic Con. Because there's no actual way that these people legitimately thought that they would commit this federal crime and be celebrated for it. So. My conspiracy is that people are inherently good and that.
1: <laughs> so sweet. It's
0: a sweet conspiracy. And that I'm putting my faith in humanity out there and saying that those cosplayers were just sorely misguided. And I don't know if it's because of Trump. I don't know if there was a, a, a link on Reddit or whatever that misled them, but. I'm going to choose to believe in much the same way that they choose to believe that Democrats are running an underground sex slave lair and that Donald Trump, of all people, someone who has been known, known to consort with known pedophiles, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, whom he called like good people or fine people or something. So, if your whole thing is that he's here to fight sex offenders, then how are you miss? How do you have a blind spot to see him arm in arm with known sex offenders? So again, the only justification that for it that I can make for myself is that all of these people were misled into thinking this was a fucking cosplay convention or something and i'm and now
1: everybody's so mad and they're just standing there like well fuck my drag
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely so uh that is my conspiracy and i'm sticking to it i love it caitlin is there anything that you would like to say before we end what has been such a fucking wonderful first episode
1: I really enjoyed it. Uh, I loved seeing your face. Um, as usual, I want to make sure I expressed to you how much I value your friendship mm-hmm. and your insights. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I focus on like your your warmth and your friendship, but also I, your intellect should also receive uh, mention. I
0: greatly appreciate so, that. And uh,
1: I, I really love you.
0: Please know that it is 1000% uh, reciprocated it amazes me that you find things that I have to say insightful because I think I am a fucking moron and everything that you say is brilliant. So I'm, I consider myself very lucky to have someone like you in my life and honored that you think I'm smart and potentially funny and warm. That's weird. Um, You make
1: me feel warm. Great. You're not. because My cold,
0: cold heart is anything but warm. But, uh, okay, so if there's nothing else to say, we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the very first episode of On.
1: Bye! Bye.